You're listening to God Bless the Enneagram, a podcast about greater self-awareness and mindfulness by viewing our lives through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Christy. I'm a type four and I'm an Enneagram coach and an instructor. Hey everyone, I'm Gina and I'm an Enneagram coach and an Enneagram type two. Welcome back everyone. Last week, we talked about what the instinctual subtypes were. So if you haven't yet listened to that episode and you're not too familiar with the topic of subtypes, we both highly encourage you to give that one a listen first. And um, just because we go over the key features of each one, so you'll just have a better understanding of what we're talking about today. So you might have already heard the word countertype, but maybe you're not too sure what it is, or you've discovered your core type recently, and you're not really too sure if that's actually your type because you don't, it doesn't really describe you uh, that well. Or maybe you haven't found your type yet because you could possibly be a countertype. It's all very confusing. <laughs> um, so we're gonna try to clear things up for you today. And um, yeah, after listening to today's episode, you'll have a much better understanding of not only the definition of what a countertype is, but we're going to be telling you um, each of the types countertype, so you don't have to um, do hours upon <laughs> hours of research, <laughs> unless you're a five, I guess. Then feel free. <laughs> you might want to do that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and you might even discover that you are your type's countertype. Ooh, fancy. Very fancy. Very unique. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to start with type one. And type one's countertype for the instinctual subtypes of type one. So there's self-pres, sexual, and social. And so type one's countertype is sexual. And so this is a countertype because it seems a little bit different than the dominant type one for these reasons. So the sexual one or the one-to-one one, if that isn't a mouthful, um, prefers to focus their need for perfection on others. So they project that on others, especially their loved ones, and they feel like it's their biz to get in everybody else's biz and like make them see how they can be better or how to do things right. Anger is also extroverted in them um, instead of kind of repressed like in the other subtypes of type, type one. They can be very intense, influential. They can have a propensity for idealism. They're more direct than the other type ones and they tend to look like a type eight. And so I nicknamed this one hot and bothered. I just threw a nickname on there. <laughs> hot and bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can totally see this description as a type eight, mm -hmm. like just the strong magnetic, um, like out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like the type eight too does have a little bit of perfectionism, perfectionism in them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So what about type two? All right. So type two's counter type is the self sub. <laughs> is the self-preservation instinctual subtype. And this type is often mistaken for a type six or a type seven. And this person has a lot of childlike nature to them and they often dress on the more playful and um, cute side. And 
this counter type wants to be taken care of just like the other subtypes but the pride will sort of come in and they will they won't ask for help they won't reach out and they kind of repress their um their own needs that way they're also very self-protective of their time their energy um this is the counter type mainly because the two is always known for wanting to help people um they're very inclined to and the self-prez is sort of um, not inclined to. <laughs> so they're sort of protecting um, their energy first and then it goes outward. Yeah, they also feel safer when they're not in a relationship. And wow. I can imagine that this is just, again, like protecting themselves um, or not being very trusting. That That's another reason. The counter type is also carries a bit of a, a self-importance to them like in they usually feel entitled and they like to be the favorite amongst their friends family and sort of the classic teacher's pet and yeah were you teacher's pet i was not teacher's pet i don't think i <laughs> so my um i am a self-prez and i don't think it I don't think it became dominant until later in my life because I think I was a social for a, for a long time. Gotcha. See, and I I see you as more of like a sexual too, but... Well, then that's the other thing is that during maybe like my late 20s, definitely um, a one-to-one. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting. And I can see the safety just by staying single as being definitely why they can mistype as a six yeah yeah that's true just not really trusting mm-hmm. all right so what do we have for type three type three's counter type is self-preservation and this type of a type three can be a lot more inward focused i don't want to say introverted but i think that's how it can look um they really focus on security they really want to be seen as good um, they want to they want to succeed, but more so they don't want to fail. They have a deep fear of failure. They're not all about themselves like average threes with different subtypes. Um, they're really reliable. Integrity is very valuable to them. They're hardworking. They can be really autonomous. And they can look a lot like a type six because they're really concerned with, um, you know, things going wrong for them. They really love that security and they're really a special type of three just because integrity is so important to them. So they don't tend to do things at the cost of their integrity like the other subtypes. I think they're really focused on how does this make me look? I really want to be seen as good. So now on to type four and the counter type for the type four is also self-preservation and this type is often mistaken for type seven or a one. So this type internalizes their suffering. The other subtypes within the type four, they sort of deal with their suffering in different ways. So the social is pretty um, outward with their pain and suffering. And I guess they're sort of the, the melodramatic of the group. And then the... Um, sexual or the one-to-one subtype with their suffering it comes out onto others and so 
with the countertype, the self-prez, they're the ones who sort of repress all of their pain and suffering. And they don't tend to complain a lot or um, let it be known that they're actually in a lot of pain. So they can be a bit masochistic when it comes when it comes to this instead of um, being melodramatic. And they sort of hold a lot of tension in their face, kind of like the one does, since it's all kind of being repressed inside. And they also battle between wanting to acquire material security, like the self-preservation would, and also f- like feeling detached to it. They don't want to put too much emotion to material things. This countertype is also very self-disciplined in achieving what they long for rather than longing for it, which is kind of like the three. They kind of go after what they want. Yeah, that's so interesting. They're really tapped into that body center, I guess. I would guess it's higher in the self-pres four than in the other subtypes of four. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because that is very much like just getting in your body and doing it and not letting something stop you. Like your feelings are... Like your feelings, yeah. <laughs> so I know a couple of self-pres fours and it's such an interesting feature about fours to have the ability to repress your emotions. Like this is magic to me as a not self-prez for mm-hmm. um and it's interesting too because you know if you can repress your feelings you would be able to like do some things with your life and achieve some things without letting the shame and the like self-doubt get to you as much um and the other thing is it's also hard to imagine a for not being so extremely self-aware about their emotions and um, and having less self-awareness than the other subtypes is an interesting thing for a four. It's not like they're still like probably the most self-aware ever, but um, just imagining, you know, not being so in tune with your emotions is an interesting thing. And the fact that they're mistaken for a seven, a one, or a three, like I can see the three. How is that like a one? Well, the one comes into play because they're able to repress them. Oh, oh, yeah. And I think, I think the self-awareness is probably there, but, um, I think you said earlier, like the, the energy that they must put into not being able to express like themselves is probably, mm-hmm. um, tremendous. <laughs> I, I, I would mm-hmm. think, um, especially for a four and all of their emotions, they're so strong. Mm-hmm. Right. So type five's counter type is the sexual subtype and this one is my favorite one it's so fun um this is the passionate five and these types are focused on one or two people that they develop a really strong connection with and they tend to look a lot like a four due to the need for attraction and chemistry and connection and their need to share their hearts and really connect emotionally more so than other fives with different subtypes and they use that other person to feel the spark of life, like that piece that just makes you come alive. They're really looking to the other person. And so they can kind of test 
their partners and their friends or their close close loved ones by testing their loyalty because they really want to keep that spark there and they don't really like sharing partners or people that they really care about and have made that connection with other people so this one's my like my favorite just because it's such a it is a counter type for that reason they look so different than the dominant types of fives yeah you know what it kind of reminds me of is (laughs) don't judge me it it kind of sounds like um ross from friends yeah oh my gosh yeah he's like a professor and he's um very much into knowledge and he's very cerebral Mm -hmm. but at the same time he wants that connection yep that intimate connection he's a romantic five (laughs) very true do you watch friends i always forget um i did when i was in high school all the time oh so are you calling me a juvenile is that what you're doing (laughs) when i was really young i did (laughs) And now I watch it sometimes, and it is still really good. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so on to type six, and the counter type for the type six is the one-to-one, and this is often mistaken for type eight, and I think we've all heard the term the counterphobic six, And so this really comes into play because they're just constantly fighting back their anxieties. Um, Or I shouldn't say fighting back, they're pushing through them. And also in places where they feel very vulnerable, they're also leaning into it a bit more, but they do it with a lot of strength and um, what seems to be self-confidence. And um, they're also always strategizing um, really good defenses just to kind of not let anything get by them and to protect themselves. And they're the ones who take a lot of risks. They don't really need to confide in a lot of friends or um, loved ones. They just go at it. (laughs) And um, yeah, they can also be very competitive and dramatic. And again, this doesn't look like the other um, instinctual subtypes because the other ones are very much reliant on the opinions of their peers. And so the self-pres doesn't have a lot of trust in their intuition. So this is the counter type because they're definitely able to confront all of those anxieties and any kind of conflict or threat that comes about, which is why they kind of look like an eight. So how do you feel about the popular idea that all sixes have this counterphobic, phobic sort of push and pull ability tendency kind of thing? I think because all of the subtypes are active in every single type that they're able to kind of go back and forth between, you know, not feeling so confident to um, definitely feeling confident. And so a lot of other types see them as contradictory um, or maybe they just can't figure them out because one day they're this and another day, you know, um, maybe one day they're um insecure and not feeling very uh, self-confident and the next day they're just pushing through everything and not letting it stop them. Yeah, that's so interesting. This is, I bet you this is the gateway to people learning about or being interested in subtypes or countertypes is hearing about the counterphobic six. 
Right. So in, it's kind of interesting. I mean, would you say like, this is this subtype, this um, counter type is the classic counterphobic six. Like this is the strongest one you can get. <laughs> you mean of all of the subtypes? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just the one that everyone can relate to. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Do you? Does it feel like... I mean, I feel like when people are like, oh, I'm a counterphobic six, I think this is what they're talking about. They're just talking about a subtype. The countertype. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think it can definitely be confusing for people when they hear that, which is why Mm -hmm. everyone should first listen to the last episode. (laughs) Because we explain that. Yep. (laughs) Everyone. So... The type sevens countertype is the social subtype and they really look like a two. And it's for these reasons. They want to be of service. They're self-sacrificing for a person or a group. They postpone self-gratification, meaning they will wait and wait to be gratified until the last possible moment. And then they have this fulfilling moment of gratification. So they'll postpone their joy, postpone something that's going to feel good. And it's almost like the postponement is just as satisfying as actually getting what they want. Like they're just, they anticipate it and the anticipation can be also gratifying, but um, they want validation about what they've done for people, um, for a, a group or a person. And that's how they can kind of look like it too. And I know you were saying that, you've heard a lot that the twos look like sevens. And I think it's because the two looks like the social seven. Mm, Yeah. Or the social seven looks like the two. Okay. So the counter type, uh, the counter type for the type eight is the social instinctual subtype. And like Christy says, they're often mistaken for the two. And, um, it's really interesting because what happens, it's said that what happens in childhood for them is that, they end up having to stand up to an abusive parent. It's usually the father. And so they, you know, they hold a lot of this anger and aggression inside them. But how it plays out when they get older is that they tend to want to um, protect those that they love around them, but also they want to protect those that have suffered some sort of injustice and um it makes them feel um good to have sort of this solidarity with their peers and have an influence as well to help them with all of um with whatever needs that they had that weren't being met or um something that was done to them unfairly and yeah, they can be very friendly and nurturing. They're extremely sensitive to rejection or any kind of betrayal. Unlike the other subtypes in this category where they are sort of um, protecting either those that are extremely close to them, like a, like a family member or they're just the, like the self-pres protecting themselves, the countertype sort of wants to create a group of people to protect and stand up for. Interesting, because sometimes it's because they were trying to protect a mom or a parent or somebody from an abusive parent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can imagine that these are the kind of people who go into careers where, you know, they're sticking up for the less fortunate. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Wow. Like um, like a childhood defense lawyer or something, or not childhood, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, whatever that's called. Or a social worker, even. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Totally. Type nine. Type nine. Let's end it on a sweet note. <laughs> so type nine's countertype is the social subtype, and I feel like when I'm saying this, it sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. When we're like subtype, instinctual countertype, and the counterphobic, it just sounds like, wait, what are you even talking about? That's why it's really important to go back and listen to it. I need to go back and listen mm-hmm. to my own recording. <laughs> so this is a countertype because it doesn't look a lot like a dominant type um, or it doesn't look like any of the other subtypes. Um, and that's because it's a more extroverted nine. So a very social nine out with the groups um, participating in the community, in the community, making sacrifices for the group, often in co- often involved in causes, community causes, and plays roles that help everyone just get along. So this can be a mediator or a facilitator, and they all do this. Or, excuse me, they do this all for the point of not having to focus on themselves. And so this can look a lot like a three. This is a kind of a different kind of achiever, um, just really active in the community, very playing a role, putting on a show, putting on a face, putting on a mask, I mean, and just playing the part, um, but just for a different motivation. And this is not having to focus on themselves. I mean, what's the biggest difference between the countertype social of the nine and the others? Because the others also are not wanting to dive into themselves too right right so the main difference is this is a more extroverted social nine and i've heard that a lot of the other nine subtypes the other Mm. two subtypes they're um introverted yeah that makes Uh, more sense yeah yeah so they're quiet sweet you know i'm generalizing but yeah so this was really interesting and we can go so much deeper too Um, is the thing yeah this is just the surface people (laughs) if you want to go deeper you got to pay the big bucks (laughs) yeah this was a lot of fun and we're definitely going to do an instagram series for the counter types on our instagram account so be sure to be following god bless the enneagram and christy do you have anything to share Um, If you want to grab my mindfulness through the Enneagram PDF, it's free on my website, christyfountain.com. And it's a breakdown of the Enneagram parts. So, you know, dominant type descriptions, what centers are, what subtypes are. um, And then at the end, it gives you a little chart that you can fill out to really break down your personality into very unique sections and kind of see yourself as a whole person that is made up of the sum of the parts and really help with self-development and kind of show you areas um, for growth. And Gina, you just released recently something fun. Yeah. So I created an online course. It's an essentials of the Enneagram course. So if you're just getting started with the Enneagram or 
you want a little refresher, it's a great course. It's about 10 minutes long and it goes over all of the essentials. And um, yeah, we also describe in there um, each of the nine types. So if you haven't figured out your type yet, that actually might help a little bit. And you can um, check that out at ginagomez.co. Yeah, that is so helpful. I feel like when, like, if you first hear about the Enneagram, like, sign up for that, get like a 10 minute, what, 11 minute breakdown of all of the things you need to know in like a really tiny amount of time. Like, it's such a time saver because there's so much information out there. You can just, like, you know, you hear people talking about, it, you're like, I would need to dive into like serious research to learn about this. And you don't have to if you watch her video. We will see you guys next time. Okay, bye.